you're about to listen to the Tech UK podcast, first released in July 2018. Hi everyone, this is Talal Rajab, Head of Cybersecurity at Tech UK, and welcome to the July edition of our podcast. The theme of this month's podcast is, of course, cybersecurity, but in particular, the principle of secure by design, how to ensure that the products and services that we use on a daily basis have security built in from the outset. To discuss this fascinating theme, we've got some of the hottest guests from the world of cybersecurity, both within business and government, who will be talking about how they are building the systems that we can rely on. Coming up first, we have an interview with Sean John, Chief Security Advisor at Microsoft, newly minted member of the most excellent order of the British Empire, and most importantly, Chair of Tech UK's Cybersecurity Group. Following on from that, we've got a discussion with Ed Venmore Rowland, Senior Policy Advisor at the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport, on how to make devices secure by design. But first, let's take a look at what was making the news in June. In cybersecurity news, this month we've seen the launch of the government consultation on professionalising the cybersecurity sector. Everyone knows that the UK is in need of more qualified cybersecurity professionals. A skilled cyber workforce is crucial to the growth and success of the UK cyber ecosystem, which in turn will only benefit all UK businesses and citizens. So at Tech UK, we've welcomed this DCMS consultation on developing the profession through the creation of a cybersecurity council. Tech UK will be responding to the DCMS consultation with input from our members, and we look forward to working with the council as it begins to establish itself as a visible and authoritative voice for the cyber profession. Unless you were hanging out on Love Island, you have likely heard about the publication of the government's white paper on the future relationship between the United Kingdom and the European Union in mid-July. Tech UK CEO Julian David responded to the white paper by saying that the white paper was a step forward, though many questions remained. With less than 250 days left until the UK leaves the EU, there is still a lack of clarity on many of the areas of importance for the tech sector. For those providing digital services, far more detail is needed to assess the future impact on their businesses. And at the beginning of the month, Tech UK published a new report called Dealing with the Deals, looking at existing EU international agreements in the tech sector. This report highlights that urgent decisions are needed on over 750 different EU agreements post-Brexit. It suggests that it's not just the loss of free trade agreements that could undermine the UK's thriving tech sector, but also the loss of hundreds of smaller science and technology agreements with major trading nations, those that have helped innovative UK businesses secure access to talent and research. You can also read more about each of these stories on our website and also catch up on all the rest of our news and views by heading to the Insights page. Thank you also to everyone that attended this year's annual dinner, which, despite England's loss in the semi-final, was a great success with attendance from our new Secretary of State, Jeremy Wright, and a fantastic half-time speech from the Digital Minister, Margot James. The football sadly didn't come home, but we hope that everyone attended enjoyed the night. The next date for your diary is the 6th of September, where Tech UK will be hosting its Building the Smarter State conference at London's iconic County Hall. We're looking forward to welcoming keynote speeches from Oliver Dowden, Minister in Charge of GDS, and John Manzoni, CEO of the Civil Service, as well as digital leaders from across the public and private sectors. We hope to see you there. According to the government's most recent cyber breaches survey, over four in 10 businesses had a cybersecurity breach in 2017. With the number of devices connected to the internet growing, the potential for hackers, botnets, and ransomware to cause disruption has never been greater. But whose responsibility is it to make sure our businesses and citizens are cyber secure? 
I'm here with Sean John, Chief Security Advisor at Microsoft, to talk about how we as a technology industry can respond to these threats and ensure that the devices we use have security built into their foundations. As you might guess, Microsoft has a huge range of experience securing everything from your desktop computer to cloud infrastructure used by thousands of businesses. And as if that wasn't enough, Sean also chairs Tech UK's cybersecurity group. Sean, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. How did you get involved in the cybersecurity sector? Um, so I think I really got into cybersecurity when I worked at the UK Houses of Parliament. So I was the IT manager for the Sergeant at Arms Department. Um, and we found that certain employees were able to see the salary of senior members of the department. And it turned out because we had an old but Donald Douglas information system computer, which is ages in the past now. Um, and they were able just by, the only security was not publishing that menu. So they were able to move from one to another and just see information they shouldn't see. So obviously I worked out to put a password on that and then went round the other departments in the Houses of Parliament that also had that password, that, that problem and showed them how to put a password on. They didn't know they had the problem. And then you realise that how someone can design something, leave it to trust, and then actually have an exploit, not necessarily maliciously, but a problem there. And I just found that really interesting to make it secure. So at Parliament, I then moved to uh, basically run Parliament's internet gateways and got, got into cyber security and ran the firewalls there, really, and never looked back. <laughs> so. And, and how's, how's, what's the difference been like moving from um, something like Parliament, where you've got a lot of le legacy infrastructure, sort of an old way of working, to working within a company like Microsoft. Is there, is there a major difference? There is a big difference. I think there's still many places that have legacy. Uh, ironically, actually, at Parliament, we did bring your own device before they'd even invented the term, because every, every MP buys their own computer. And I remember having we had to mandate that they had Windows, at least, so that they could get the services they want, because otherwise they tried to get it all with DOS, showing my age here now. But effectively, that bring your own device issues, you had that legacy, but it, it was also about trying to update and keep it up to date even in somewhere like Microsoft where we have obviously all the latest technology and life is great and as a personal human being using all the productivity stuff it's brilliant um, but you do then have to even deal with legacy even ourselves we have to support the legacy operating systems that are out there um, and so there's there's a, a need to look at both of those so what we quite often talk about at Microsoft is yes there's the growth of cloud, there's the growth of the mobile working, there's digital transformation and you've got data and AI and all these great things you need to do and you need to secure them and it means you need to maybe change the way you do security to do that. But at the same time, the on-premise legacy environment isn't necessarily going away. So really we're in that hybrid cloud world where you've got to have approaches that allow you to unlock the productivity benefits of all this new technology, but also keep the security controls in place. So Microsoft obviously have a quite a big footprint uh, within the cybersecurity sector. You've been there sort of un under a year now. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, saying, I'm just coming up to my nine months. Uh, okay, so. Well. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about your actual role within within, within Microsoft. Um, so so my role really is it's very it's a really interesting role. It's, it's very similar to what I did at my previous company, which was Symantec. I mentioned that, but uh, we uh, effectively my role is to go out and, and work with our top uh, customers. The, the ones most going through a digital transformation, most looking at how they're going to secure that and really understand their challenges, what they're trying to do, give advice about best practices that people are doing for, for securing that transformation and just really help to 
to allow them to adopt the new technology to get the productivity, but ensure that they're getting the best capability for security baked in there. Now, obviously, I'm going to tell them about Microsoft's capability. I'm not an independent consultant, but um, effectively, I, I may actually be, be honest if, there's, if, if it's something you need a third bit of third-party software or approach to do. But the aim is actually to get people to engage with use and understand the cloak the, the controls and the mismanagement that's available in the new technology and make sure that they're going to use it so effectively unlocking the security the capability that's already there and do you feel that people are becoming more cyber aware now so we always hear a talk about that ceos and board level members aren't aren't really sure about their cyber responsibilities has that changed recently so there's two questions there i think i think they're a lot more cyber aware Okay. Um, are they aware of the cyber responsibilities? I think they're getting this, and it all it'll vary from organisation to organisation. So if you went back four or five years, people weren't really cyber aware. Cyber was an IT department thing. In fact, probably didn't even use the term cyber. If you go back ten years, um, the, the almost the the fact of the word cyber is is the fact that people outside of IT now care about it. So it's fair to be there. But the thing is. There's a difference between being aware and panicking and actually understanding what you can do, the responsibilities you have, um, and then what needs to be done. So there's been a lot of um, activity around that in the last few years. So the World Economic Forum had their advice for cyber resiliency. Uh, there's the new British Standard, which is advice and guidance to boards, BS31111, which is uh, about cyber risk and resilience for boards, just to get the responsibilities. And I think it will vary from company to company. I think there's beginning to be an understanding that cyber and cybersecurity is an essential part of digital transformation and not the thing you do at the end. Whether it's actually completely baked into the organisation yet, it's happening. I mean, following on from that, the theme from this podcast is secure by design. Um, so what does that mean to an organisation like Microsoft? How do you address the issue of, of having security built in by design? Yeah, so... For I was just saying about people not having responsibility, I actually exempt Microsoft. Satya Nadella, our CEO, has very clearly said that trust is the key to people adopting cloud. And the key to people adopting cloud systems is to have good security and a protection of people's privacy. So effectively, it's in our organisation, security is more baked in than any other organisation I worked in into the culture, um, which is very strange. Well, it's not strange, but it's a nice thing to see. Um, uh, and so for us, security by design is about trying to make sure that we design things, implement them, make them work in a, a secure way as possible, consistently look for and fix vulnerabilities, use secure development lifecycles. Microsoft's been trying to do that since the Trusted Computing Initiative of 2002. Um, but also then actually baking security capability into the platform. So rather than having to do it bolt on, building it in. So there are certain things that you can do in terms of trying to make the whole platform resilient, but there are things that then actually happen when it goes gets to get it used. So there are choices that people have to make about how they use things, how they detect, how they respond, yeah, how you work out what's happening when that technology is out there and being used by employees, being accessed by customers. There's, there's unknown vulnerabilities and things like that. So it's effectively providing security capabilities in the platform that you can enable to detect and respond to those attacks and, and actually you know, configuration controls such as multi-factor authentication to make it easier. And one of the major focuses for, for AI machine learning at Microsoft is to improve the the cybersecurity capability, both that baked into the platform and that that we offer as services to customers. 
would part of that also then involve some kind of security training or education for the customer? So you always hear the talk about um, protocols being built in, but customers not switching them on or sort of not configuring them properly. So does, does some of that work that you, you do involve involve education? And, yeah, and so training? yeah. I mean, obviously, in my level, I'm talking to very experienced security yeah. people, but it's more making them aware of what controls are in, available in the cloud platform. So instead of having to re-engineer the things they've had on-premise, they can work out and make a decision themselves as to whether what's built into the platform is sufficient or if they need anything else over the top. For others, yes, it is about supporting awareness. There's a, there's a, I think like everybody else, we have awareness capability in, in Office 365. We've, it's a tool, obviously there's a license to a tool, but there is an ability to do attack simulation and phishing simulations within the platform itself to train employees. In the Microsoft certifications, we are then adding security. There's a security track for you know Office 365 training later this year. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's late this year, I can't, I'm saying well, Matt, then at some point uh, we, we are working on releasing training for how to do a secure Azure infrastructure as well, so you can become a certified secure Azure person. So that's that's obviously the technical certificate, yeah, training is important, it's about getting people to understand it. I do also think that security by design, though, is not just about blaming the employee. Too often we blame the user for being stupid, and quite often they are stupid, but you know, so, sometimes it's we make it really hard to engage with technology so that's why that whole it's been that security or productivity trade-off trade-off and if I've got a deadline uh, and a productivity is going to win every time when it's deadline versus security it's not going to be malicious quite often it's just going to be I'm going to do whatever I can to get it done and if your process makes it hard I'm going to go around your process so it's really, I think, security by design is as well about thinking about user experience and security, how people can engage, how you can build it into the productivity experience and how it doesn't become a distraction, how then people embrace it because they feel like they're being protected and it's easier to use. So having cyber security become something that can enable people to yeah. be more productive and innovative in how they work. Yeah, I mean, arguably, biometrics is one of those cases. It started off as, oh, we'll do biometrics to make it every, extra secure, and then, you know, look at things like Windows Hello and uh, on Apple, the Face ID. Um, uh, and you know, good enough for the, the use case in there, maybe not for a military-grade organisation, but, you know, in terms of actually logging on to my device, way more secure than a password. And I personally have got to the point where if it doesn't recognise my face, I'd rather step away and look again rather than bother typing my password or my PIN. So I think that's that's where we've really, we've really got to now in terms of that's a security feature that is actually improving my productivity. Yeah. yeah. So you were recently awarded an MBE for your services to the cybersecurity sector. Uh, where were you when you found out the news and what was it like to meet Prince Charles? So quite weirdly, I was actually in Redmond, in Seattle, doing my first uh, executive briefing centre visit with a customer. So we were, on, we were actually doing day one and I got a message saying they wanted my contact details. So I passed that on and then the next morning, obviously, I get up to find I have an email saying we're thinking of you this, will you accept it? And of course you can't tell anybody. So then the second day I'm sitting in in this EBC, I will say I was slightly distracted. Um, I was not as fully focused as I had been the first day because I couldn't quite believe what had happened and I had to just carry on uh, as normal. And, and then go through Christmas without telling anybody as well, which was very hard, including family. So that was that was very good. And, and, and uh, going to the Palace of Meeting Pitch Tiles, yeah, very, very special experience. They make a, put a lot of effort into making it special. And you have to say, really, they, they've taken time to look at everybody's going up 
and everybody gets, you know, a minute's conversation. He, he talks to you about, about he's done some research, thought about what he's going to say, and an equity reminds him, obviously. And then um, it, it actually makes you feel special in the moment and important. And he did say, his personal thing to me was, we need more cybersecurity experts. There we are. Well, that's good. So that's <laughs> good to know that the <laughs> yeah. awareness has yeah, reached yeah. the palace. <laughs> yeah, so very, I said it's a very worrying time. So uh, that's, that's, that is the... Um, the, the really special part of the day that they really put some effort in. I'm sure when it's built to somebody volunteering in the local thing, he'd have said something very special to them about, about what they were doing as well. So it's, it's a very good day, yeah. And even more importantly, I joke, but even more importantly than meeting royalty, you've, you've also been elected to chair Tech UK's Cybersecurity Management Committee. Um, it's a role uh, that, that you, you're well aware of, as being vice chair uh, in, in previous iterations. Um, what are your visions for the committee and how do you feel industry can come together to ensure that government takes security by design seriously as well? So I think it's probably maybe we, we need to look at really championing ourselves as cyber security technology vendors and industry and, and making that more about how we make the whole of the UK vibrant. And I'm very supportive of, of startups in the UK and, and getting them working, but we also need to make it open to, to all the organisations, whether they're longer term, larger British companies, or they're American companies like mine. Um, but effectively, how we can create a, a core voice about building a vibrant um, and secure UK industry using the cybersecurity vendors that are available, as well as building a strong British cybersecurity startup infrastructure. Sometimes we focus just on that and on exports and not on, on the whole industry. And it's actually, you need that whole ecosystem in order, to, in order for those startups to thrive, because otherwise they're going to be a little bit isolated. Um, and then also, maybe we should talk about what are the principles of things like security by design? What, what do they mean? How do you approach them? How do we look at baking security and thinking about security into everything we do? Effectively, that security and productivity, building it into what we do. I, I think that's really what we we need to do sometimes we can we can end up just talking about defense and intelligence and and a sort of threat approach whereas which which is which is right because 10 years ago that's where cyber security was but now we really have to make sure that what we're doing is relevant to the whole of the industry and the whole of the infrastructure so the more we can do to be a strong voice for 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 the technology vendors that, that work on cyber security and building a a strong image of that across the world, the better I think. And my last question uh, is, is around the skills issue. So um, we hear a lot of talk, particularly within the National Cybersecurity Centre, about getting more young people involved in cybersecurity, particularly young girls as well. Um, is that something that you feel passionate about? And how can we get the next Sean Johns into the cybersecurity sector? Yeah, I'm very supportive of that, very passionate of that. Um, and it's, it's as much about trying to get people interested in it, which I think what uh, what the National Cybersecurity Centre has been doing with the Cyber First Girls is, is excellent. Actually, it's one of the best initiatives, really supportive of that. And actually, just getting people to be interested in it and, and, and changing the image away from being effectively Mr. Robot, which I think most people think of as your typical cybersecurity person. Either that or is it Elizabeth Sal Salamander from... Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo yeah. <laughs> basically slightly strange people and it's nothing wrong with that we do we, we the, our diversity is of all uh, all types so we want to get people that are quirky 
people that are quite mainstream, girls, boys, young people, even older people changing careers. It's, it, I, I think that's really important. I'm very supportive. I think it's, it, but it, from the point of view of fixing the, the thing we've got, it, it has got to start with getting a broader group of people being interested in it as a career, both at school, but then also at university, and then even in once they've left and, and, and you know, career change as well. So uh, whatever we can do to engage that, to make people more enthusiastic, uh, I've done lots of things around that, and I'll continue to do that whenever the opportunity arises. Great, well, Sean, thank you. And uh, I hope um, your sort of work does encourage more people to get involved in the sector and, and, and ensure that more businesses are cyber secure. Okay, great, thank you. It is critical that government and industry work together to ensure we protect the UK from cyber attacks and reduce the burden on end users by embedding effective cybersecurity practices at every stage of a connected product's life cycle. Those were the words of Digital Minister Margot James as she unveiled the government's Secure by Design consultation earlier this year. But what does Security by Design actually mean? And how can government and industry work together to deliver devices that consumers can trust? Here to discuss this with us, I'm delighted to welcome Ed Fenmore Rowland, Senior Policy Advisor at the Department of Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. Welcome, Ed. Thanks, Val. So tell us a bit about yourself, uh, your role at DCMS and your team. So thank you so much for this opportunity uh, today. So um, my background has been more in the cyber, cyber policy um, area, and I was keen to bring that experience uh, into government and actually have a key role in helping to develop um, proposals on um, IoT security. Um, I work within the Secure Design team, which sits within the broader cybersecurity and data directorate um, in DCMS. And so the key areas that we have um, been looking at have been around um, how we can improve the sort of cybersecurity of consumer internet connected products and the associated services linked to them. And, and how did the, the review come about? You know, what, what was sort of the thinking behind um, starting off the review? So from a UK government perspective, protecting the UK online is a top priority for the government. And um, we've done a number of, of um, actions to help make the UK the safest place in the world to live and do business online. The, the government published the National Cybersecurity Strategy, which sets out a number of ambitious policies to protect the UK uh, in cyberspace. And that was backed by a 1.9 billion um, investment. And as part of that, we have created the National Cybersecurity Centre, which is the technical authority for government on cybersecurity. And they've had a key role to play in developing the proposals um, that I'm sure we'll discuss later. Um, in terms of specifically this work, um, when we talk about something like Secure by Design, when we ref that refers to the need to have cybersecurity built into products um, at the design phase and ensuring that um, consumers, when they um, buy products such as a smart TV or a baby monitor, they have the assurance that there are um, a baseline level of security within that product. And so our work has sort of come about because of a specific objective in the National Cybersecurity Strategy. But I think what I should emphasize is that the Internet of Things can bring fantastic benefits and opportunities to the UK. Um, and we just want to make sure that um, consumers' security, privacy and safety, and also that devices that come onto the market um, cannot be used as part of large-scale uh, cybersecurity attacks. And that's why we're doing this important piece of work today and um, for the last two years. 
Thanks. And, and so what were the key outcomes of the report? We've obviously seen um, the code of practice, which um, it would be appreciated if you can mention that, but also there were some other aspects of the report that really caught industry's eye. So the, the code of practice was um, developed very closely with industry. We, we engaged with over 120 different stakeholders and also a, a variety of different international governments and within international fora. The key part of, the, of that code of practice is that it, it emphasises the good practice that I think is agreed among um, subject matter experts and in industry on what the basic level of security should be within a product. And within the code of practice itself, we have sort of three key um, top guidelines and one is around no default passwords within products. Secondly, that companies need to have a vulnerability disclosure policy so that if a breach is identified, that security researcher or company can, can engage with the manufacturer and raise awareness of this. And thirdly, one of the other guidelines is around needing to make sure that products can be main, maintained and be updated. And I think that March report brought about a lot of different things around our key focus on reducing the burden on consumers by ensuring that cybersecurity is designed into these products um, at the start. And so we also have a number of other proposals um, that we mentioned in the report. One is around trying to ensure that manufacturers actually um, adopt the code of practice. So we are currently exploring how specific guidelines in that code of practice um, could be put within um, existing regulation. And that's just to, tr to drive and ensure that products that are coming to market have um, good cybersecurity built into them. And then we have another of other proposals. One is around this um, idea of a labeling scheme, uh, which we're currently developing so that when consumers go um, into uh, trying to buy a, a product, and that can be a smart TV, um, that can be a, a, a baby monitor, they have the opportunity to be able to have some information which will inform their purchasing decisions. And, and that could be around sort of the security features that um, are included within that product. And the last sort of key proposal that I think would be good to reference here is, is we're creating a line of guidance with a variety of different um, stakeholders because we feel it's really important that when consumers are trying to find more information about a product and how they can improve the security of products that are currently on the market there is a central point or central piece of guidance that they can go to um, and so that is another thing that we're looking to develop right now. So in order for such a product to be successful I guess you'll need buy-in not only from manufacturers but also um, consumers and retailers as well. Um, so how has DCMS sought to engage with, with these different constituencies and communities and it must be quite difficult, how hard has it been? I think from what we've seen since the, the start of the, uh, with the review early last year, there's been widespread support across um, industry, consumer groups, retailers around this, this need to have security built into um, internet connected products. Um, we've had um, individual meetings, I've already mentioned over 120 uh, engagements with different stakeholders and that has only increased further since the report was published. Um, but also we, throughout last year and also this year, we're holding work, workshops, we're also presenting at roundtables and attending um, a variety of different external events to raise awareness of this work um, because we're very aware that this work needs to, to um, be driven as part of our need for an international alignment on sort of a, a secure by design approach. Um, and that's why this sort of piece of work is vital in making sure that not only in the UK but also internationally um, products are being, are being created with the right security within them. Great. And so looking to the future, what do you think the overall effect of this uh, project and review will be? What's, what's sort of the end goal in, say, four or five years' time? Well, the, the main focus of the work is going to be to ensure that um, 
Once the Code of Practice is finalised and after our informal consultation period ended in mid-April, we received a lot of, of comments from um, industry to basically refine that Code of Practice and we'll be looking to finalise and publish that Code of Practice um, later this year. And the hope is that with our work with a variety of different manufacturers, the adoption of the code um, will be implemented within organisations so that um, very soon consumers will be able to buy products with the reassurance that they have um, good practice cybersecurity already built into them. We recognise this is a, a global issue and um, what's key is that the UK is driving this um, agenda and we've done some fantastic work in this space. And I think just going forward we'll be wa wanting to work with our international partners and more broadly within international fora to ensure that um, our code of practice and our other work is, is um, made aware to other countries and we can drive drive the ensure and ensure that sort of a secure design approach um, is used across the world. Great. Well, I mean, Tech UK, we've been a, we've been a key partner as, uh, as part of the review and sat on the uh, expert advisory group for it as well. And we found it a, a really great experience. It's sort of a really good example of industry, academia uh, and government coming together, recognising a, a, a common problem and an area that needs uh, addressing and then working together to, to sort of achieve it. Absolutely, and, and it's been fantastic to have uh, organisations like yourself where you have such a diverse uh, array of members that have been able to feed into this process. We've also had organisations like Witch that have been able to provide us with such useful feedback on how uh, consumers have actually interacted with, with these products to date. And I think there are just a variety of different key stakeholders because we've been engaging with across retailers, manufacturers, uh, academics and subject matter experts on this area. and. Um, I think going forward, like with Tech UK, we'll be keen to get everyone's involvement in developing the proposals. Well, Ed, we wish you good luck with uh, sort of the rest of the project and look forward to seeing the final code of practice. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Al. That brings an end to this episode of our podcast. As ever, we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Tech UK or drop us an email on press at techuk.org. For more information on activities across TechUK's programs and upcoming events, you can visit techuk.org or check out our LinkedIn page. I've been Talal Rajab and you can follow me on Twitter at TRajab. Thanks very much for listening. Enjoy your summer and we'll see you all next month.